welcome to the Psych and Business Podcast, where we highlight the integration of psychology and psychological principles into the world of business and organizations. I'm your host, Dr. Ernest Wade. I have another great guest for you today. She's someone that I actually met during the process of recording another podcast, and I knew immediately that I had to have her on onto the show to talk to you. Her name is Dr. Sereni Walazonia, and she is a neuropsychologist which basically means that she's a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in clinical neuropsychology. She served as a staff neuropsychologist at the St. Jude's Medical Center in Casa Colina Hospital in Southern California. But currently, she's also the co-founder and CEO of the Mastermind Institute, where they believe that if you master your mind, you can and will master your life. Serini, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm really excited to have you here. And I'm going to start off just by asking you what I always ask everybody. How did you end up from going from neuropsychology to, you know, thinking of helping businesses with the Mastermind Institute? I'm really interested in how you made that connection and that journey. Oh, that's a great question. So I started off in brain injury rehab. So after graduate school, I specialized during my internship. I worked at Mount Sinai in New York and I worked with brain injury and I loved it. You know, you got to really see how the brain works. Um, You know, when somebody has something unfortunate like a stroke or or a tumor resection or a traumatic brain injury from a car accident, things like that. It is incredible to see how the brain goes from not knowing how to do anything to then figuring Mm -hmm. out how to do it, right? Like we see it Mm -hmm. with our Mm -hmm. kids during development, but it's so much different in an adult where you expect them to be able to know how to put on their pants, but you find that, you know, after an injury, you have to reteach that whole process. So I... I, my role was to do cognitive testing. So I would do all of the cognitive testing as a neuropsychologist on the unit, but I then got to work with the interdisciplinary team with OTs, PTs, speech therapists, rec therapists, and the physiatrist. And we got to come up with a treatment plan that would help this person then return to like a quote unquote normal life. Right. So in that process, I did that for about eight years. And I got to the point where I realized that I really wanted to be able to take neuropsychology and take it out of the office. Mm -hmm. So we do testing and it gives us a lot of insight into somebody's cognitive ability. But a drawback is that, you know, you give these recommendations, you have these percentiles, you have these, you know, indicators of performance, but you don't actually get to see how that works in a real life setting. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So a really cool thing when I was at Casa Kalina is I got to co-treat a lot with the other therapists. So we would do things like I would work with occupational therapy and speech therapy, and we would actually take our patients out into the community. So we would mm. take them to like a coffee shop and I would be working on like their aphasia management, their anxiety management while speech therapy was working on like their language production. So basically mm-hmm. getting them to be able to go up to a counter, order their drink, be able to give the right amount of money, and then yeah. to be able to wait and listen for their name when their drink is called, right? It seems like such a natural process, but after somebody has a brain injury, a stroke or something like that, you know, it really changes the brain's ability to do that. Mm-hmm. 
So then I did that for a while, but I did kind of find that, you know, in hospital and clinic settings, it's a lot of one-to-one therapy and Mm -hmm. it's really difficult to be able to scale that to a lot of people at once. Um, And so I end up partnering with Dr. Ricardo White, who's an addiction psychiatrist, who was actually my dissertation chair when I was at Loma Linda. Um, Years (laughs) later, he reached out to me to collaborate on a project. And we found that we both had this same passion for making mental health more achievable, approachable, actionable, right? Rather Mm -hmm. than just sitting in the office. So accessible. Yes, exactly. So Mm -hmm. together we founded the Mastermind Institute where we really focus on digital platforms to be able to scale foundational and functional mental health approaches to the masses. So that's where we got to where we're at now. Yeah, I love that story. I love the journey that you talked about, you know, talking about how your actual experiences and working with individuals who've had traumatic brain injury really you know got you excited about bringing that out into into the world and, and making that more applicable and usable that's one of the things i love about psychology is that it's really you know it's, it's really something that that anybody and everybody can use far afield and, and i love that you're taking it out of the clinical and academic settings and bringing it into the real world yeah you know one thing that we focus on with um our programs at the mastermind institute we have this framework called the seven vitals So typically Mm -hmm. when people think about mental health, they think about like anxiety management, depression management, stress management, things like that. But what we do is we focus on those foundational elements. So things like Mm -hmm. time management, financial Mm -hmm. management, right? We don't think about how these things impact our mental health. But Mm -hmm. I ask, you know, if you think back on a time when you were broke or late all the time, you probably didn't have the best mental health, right? Right. I think about, you know, when I was in grad school and, you know, I had to check my bank account before I could go grocery shopping, (laughs) it was really stressful, you know? And I think a lot of times um, mental health approaches don't focus on those functional aspects. So if you can improve those functional aspects, you can add to more stability that allows you to then have the luxury of really focusing on your mental health. So this is really interesting. So, so, so if I'm hearing you right, you're saying, you know, in order to improve your mental health, instead of waiting until you get depressed or you're anxious, really focus on the things that happen before that, the things that happen on an everyday basis and making sure that you're addressing those. Am I hearing that right? Exactly. So we, we consider ourselves like a preventive mental health care approach. Oh, that's really cool. I, I really like that concept, right? Trying to, to address the problems like preventative health, right? Preventative mm-hmm. mental health. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's really cool. Can, tell us a little bit more about that 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 program. And you mentioned the seven vitals. Tell us what that is and how that works. Sure. Yeah. So our seven vitals approach. It's our proprietary framework. We start off with time management. We just discussed mm-hmm. that a bit. Then we talk about resources. So resources is like our financial management, but also understanding that what we own in a way Mm -hmm. owns us, right? So if we want the nice house, the nice car, there are responsibilities that come along with that that can impact our mental health as we go on. So we talk about those as functional foundational elements. Then we talk about purpose, right? One of the hallmark features of somebody who is 
in mental distress or even suicidal is a loss of purpose, right? Mm. So we really focus on purpose in terms of three dimensions of our purpose, our path, how did we get to where we are, our talent, Mm. how do we utilize those to really benefit ourselves and how do we develop them? And then the Mm -hmm. third dimension of purpose is our impact. So how do we use our influence on a daily basis to create an Mm -hmm. impact? So that's purpose. Then we talk about health and we break it up into both mental health and physical health. And I really like this one because typically when people think about mental health and physical health, they think about illness. Like how do we address the illness? But what we do is how do we actually focus on the health approach? So what are things that you do that are healthy in mental health and physical health to optimize Mm -hmm. our performance rather than focusing on disorder or distress? Mm -hmm. So we have time, resources, purpose, health. Then we have relationships and we break relationships relationships up into non-romantic relationships and romantic relationships. So our mm-hmm. non-romantic relationships, we really start off with our relationship with ourselves. So how do you really understand yourself in terms of what you value? Because that helps you set the appropriate boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I think in a lot of common societal teachings, people are always like, boundaries are bad. You shouldn't put up walls. You shouldn't put up boundaries. And we argue, no, no, you need boundaries, (laughs) right? You need to have the right boundaries to not only protect yourself, but to then determine, you know, who interacts with you? Who do you let into your inner circle? Mm. How Mm -hmm. do you manage, you know, those gates, that let people in and out. Yeah, and you keep yourself safe. Yeah, exactly. And then when you have that, you know how to approach other relationships, right? Romantic friendships, work relationships. It's it's like that starting fundamental building block that helps mm-hmm. determine mm-hmm. those other relationships. And then in the relation romantic relationship section, we talk about ways to communicate with your partner. So we always laugh, right? For every profession, for every skill, there's like a license or a test that you have to take, right? To drive, you have to take a test to get our degrees, right? All these things, any certifications, you have to take a test. Mm -hmm. But to get married, you don't have to do anything, right? All you do (laughs) is you go and sign a piece of paper. No one preps you for what you need for a successful marriage. Mm -hmm. So- We like to pride ourselves on saying that, you know, if somebody comes to us, we can really help them build those foundational skills that are going to help their relationship more successful, right? How Mm -hmm. do you communicate effectively with your partner? How do you fight fair, right? When you do have an argument, how do you argue in such a way that you still respect your partner and you don't damage that relationship? Um, When there is an argument that goes a little too far, gets heated, how do you mend that so you can bring yourself closer to your partner? Um, So we talk about all of these things that, you know, I think it would be so beneficial for even like our young adults who haven't got into their serious relationships yet to know these things for how to approach their relationships. Mm -hmm. So those are five of the vitals. The The next one is rest and recreation. So how do we rejuvenate with our rest? 
versus mm-hmm. further exhaust ourselves. You know, there are a lot of people with really poor coping strategies, and we found this through the pandemic a lot. Alcohol yeah. sales and alcohol consumption increased dramatically. And, you know, after after a night of drinking, you don't usually feel great the next day, right? Yeah. It's not- <laughs> It's not an activity that leaves you rejuvenated or feeling rested or recreated. Mm -hmm. So how do you focus on those activities that actually give you true rest versus what we call fake rest? Um, And then we wrap it up with spirituality. And with spirituality slash like mindful living, we talk about ways that you can engage in a process regardless of what religion or denomination or practice you follow, but how can you engage in a process that helps you deepen your connection spiritually? Um, Mm -hmm. So we really do are not prescriptive in terms of what sort of religion to practice, but how can you ask yourself questions that get you to align your actions with your values and make sure that you're engaging in a way that you're really proud of at the end of the day? Yeah. So we really think that, you know, ultimate balance, ultimate performance is a is a combination of these seven vitals. Yeah, I, I love I love the way that you've, you know, taken this very holistic approach of, of a human being and, and really thought about the different aspects of it. I mean, we are talking about, um, you know, when you own something, it also owns you that that set off a light bulb. You know, for me, I think that that makes perfect sense. But I don't know, you would not you know, think of that normally in that way. You were talking about having a relationship with yourself before having a relationship with other people. I think that makes perfect sense. And I can see this this system you know, having a really positive impact for employees as well, right? Because we're having relationships with our coworkers, with our bosses, um, you know, with, with people that work for us. Talk a little bit about how you've, you've applied this system in the workplace. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, so one of the things that we that started this um, journey into the corporate or work environment was the issue of burnout, right? So Mm -hmm. burnout became such a huge issue through the pandemic. And then we found that even though, you know, COVID was theoretically getting better, burnout was not getting better. It was actually getting worse. And so people Mm -hmm. were having more disability claims, more actual, um, you know, I talked to a couple of organizations and they were saying that through their EAP providers, they were actually getting more suicidality claims. Um, So it just sounds like people didn't know how to manage the stress that came from either having to, you know, have an increased workload and balancing that with the demands that are placed on them. So we developed our um, Killing Burnout program for corporations to help them understand that with with the seven vitals, which is part of the Killing Burnout program, how can Mm -hmm. they develop skills and strategies that can help them withstand stress? right? There's always another crisis that's going to come. But if you can beef up those skills, you're more able to tolerate those demands Mm -hmm. that are placed on you. Um, And then what I like to do, and I do it myself, is I think about how I'm engaging with my seven vitals, like on a daily basis. So, Mm -hmm. you know, as an entrepreneur, purpose or work has been a huge part of my my overall life in the past few years. 
Um, but what it allows me to do when I think about it in the framework of the seven vitals is knowing how to rebalance. So we're saying okay. you don't always have to have a balanced approach. Like all of the seven vitals are not always going to be exactly balanced. There are certain times in your life that some might be more than others, but the, the key is to figure out how to rebalance. So what I might mm-hmm. do is if I've had a really stressful work week, I make sure that I disconnect on the weekends so that I can spend time with my family and I can mm-hmm. not feel guilty. You know, I feel like that that happens a lot for us yeah, in, yeah. in our work settings is we feel guilty about, you know, not being a good parent or not doing this or a good partner or these things. But having the seven vitals framework, it allows me to think about like, okay, well, I'm focusing here this day. I'm focusing here mm-hmm. this day. I'm rebalancing where I need so that, you know, when I do need to focus more, let's say on my marriage or my daughter, I can then without guilt think about, well, I already focused on work. So now I can kind of shut that door for a little bit. Yeah. And- is here without having to feel overwhelmed or stressed about it. Yeah, I love this approach. You know, I, it's I'm envisioning it as as building resilience, helping helping people build resilience by really being aware of the, the functional aspects that you know that impact their mental health. Right. So you talk about the seven vitals, and so you, as you mentioned, you you can't go through life without stressors. You will have stressors, but by recognizing which uh, which of the vitals are you know being elevated and which ones are lower? It helps you to balance so that you can temporarily make the necessary adjustments within yourself so that you can get through those situations. Am, am I phrasing that correctly? A hundred percent. Yeah. So it really is, like you said, you know, based on this foundation of resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really have to thank my parents, right? Because they taught me resilience at a really young age. So I was born in Sri Lanka and my Mm -hmm. parents decided to move my sister and I, my sister's two years older than I, um, they moved us here. There was, you know, a lot of political unrest in Sri Lanka. They had great jobs. My dad was like the superintendent of a tea plantation. He had this huge house and staff and all of these things, but they decided to leave all of that to move here to like, basically give my sister and I the American dream. Mm-hmm. So when we moved here, my dad's job didn't translate to here. So he worked like four jobs in order to give us some financial stability because he basically had to start over. My mom yeah. worked and she also took care of my sister and I. My dad you know, would be gone all day. I think he would come home from work at like eight o'clock have dinner, have a few hours of sleep, and then go to his next job like early morning. So as a kid, I really saw, and you know, I didn't, I don't think I appreciated it until I was older, like most kids. Yeah, we never do. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it really showed me that, you know, if you're resilient and you're determined, you can make whatever you want to make out of your situation. You know, so Mm -hmm. when I was Mm -hmm. in as I got older, you know, my dad became more successful and he is a businessman. And, um, you know, I really always admired his work ethic and Mm -hmm. how he also still was able to manage, you know, a good marriage with my mom. And he would be there when it was really important for him to be there for us. Um, And so I think as I grew and I developed sort of this internal framework, it really helped me to 
kind of figure out like what's important and how to invest my energy appropriately so that way right. I could get the outcomes that I wanted. Yeah. No, I, I really like that example. And it, it echoes a lot of my experience as well. I think my mom you know, worked very hard and um, you know, really taught me the importance of hard work and and building resilience. You know, through, life was challenging when I was a kid. And so you had to build resilience. You, you figured out how to get through tough situations. You built that framework to help you navigate that. And, you know, one of the things that I that I see a lot in the workplace now is a lot of the younger generation don't have those tools in terms of how to, they haven't developed resilience and they don't know how to, how to manage hard situations. And so when they get into the workplace and things become tough, you know, they don't have the buffers that they've had all their lives. They don't know how to deal with challenges. They don't know how to, how to work through those things. You know, I see that even in, in my own kids, I, I struggle with how do I help them build resilience because they get pretty much everything they need. They don't really have to struggle that hard. And then when they get into the workplace, how do they, they don't know how to deal through these things. So I really appreciate this framework because I think it's it's a way that you can help people who, who've not previously understood or, or known how to deal with resilience. Hey, here's a framework that you can use to help you understand it and to help you manage it. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. You know, I think it's this constant struggle of, how do you instill that in this next generation? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of, yeah. one of the things that we're really passionate about is trying to get this into college counseling centers. So for mm-hmm. college mm-hmm. counselors to be able to utilize our program with college students, so that way they are building some of these fundamental um, skills towards resilience. So that way, when they yeah. do go out into the workforce, you know, there is this sense of, you know, determination and hard work and, uh, yeah. you know, having some fire in there. Yeah. Yeah. And having to work through some of those tough things. You know, I think it's really important to think about the future generation of workers and think about what, you know, what is it that, that they're missing and, and how can we try to help them be better prepared to be successful, right? How do we help them be successful? So I really appreciate that. Serena, we could go on forever, but I want to be respectful of time and, and just thank you for coming on the show. Uh, you're doing such great things. How do people reach you? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, thank you for asking. Okay, so you can go to killingburnout.com. Um, that is our major website regarding, you know, our killing burnout programs. You can also go to my7vitals.com and that's either number 7 or spelled out 7, my7vitals.com and you mm-hmm. can um, download some some free resources that we have on the website. Um, one that we have on there right now is an ebook. Um, it's the Mastermind's Guide to Thriving Under Pressure. So we share mm-hmm. 10 tips that we think are really helpful in trying to thrive when there is pressure, um, particularly yeah. like in the workplace setting. Um, I believe there are links to my email on both of those those websites, but you could always reach out to info at themastermindinstitute.com. Um, if you wanted to shoot me an email, you know, I'm always interested in hearing what people think about our stuff and, you know, how it could maybe be applicable to their environments as well. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you know, I always want to take advantage of the experts we have on the show and say, you know, what's one tip that you can give to, to folks out there in the business world from, from your experience and expertise? Okay. So I think my, my, 
The one that I'm focusing on the most right now, I think, is to have a growth mindset. And this is one of the Mm -hmm. tips that's in our ebook. So it's one of the 10 tips. Um, And really how to cultivate a growth mindset. What I like to say is a good strategy for this is before you go to bed at night, think about what you could do the following day that Mm -hmm. initiates some sort of growth, right? Like some sort of betterment. Um, When we are constantly in this mindset, it becomes Mm -hmm. our lens for how we approach the world. If alternately, you know, we're just trying to keep afloat, we're just trying to manage the status quo, we're never going to grow, right? Yeah, maybe you could be comfortable, maybe things will be okay, but it's never going to grow, Right. And I think for especially people in business or entrepreneurs, we're always trying to figure out a way to grow, even psychologists. Right. Like Mm -hmm. we're trying to make people's lives better. It helps if we're doing that for ourselves as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that tip because it it highlights to me two things that I think are really important. Right. In order to grow, you have to learn. Right. Learning is something that I think is, is one of the things that I love doing. And I think it's so important for people to engage in that continuous education, continuous learning mindset. And then growth also means change, right? I think we are always, always evolving. And so this just makes you mindful of that. It makes you be intentional in how you're changing and how you're growing and how you're developing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is, this works for, works for people or works for organizations, works for leaders, works for, you know, pretty much everybody. So I think that's, that's such great advice. Yeah. I think it's a combination of like my neuropsych mind, my psychology mind and my entrepreneur mind, because um, in neuropsych, one of the things that we would tell our patients, like even our patients of like mild cognitive impairment or early stages of dementia is like, you have to challenge your brain for your brain Mm -hmm. to be able to basically be resilient. Right. So like, Rather than taking the same path every day, switch up your route to work or take, you know, walk a different way. Even like in your neighborhood, if you're going for a walk and you always go this way, one day go this way, right? Because you're forming neural connections. You're forming neural pathways. Um, And all of that is going to set us up for growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. You know, this conversation just has been activating for me a lot of my old cognitive psychology pathways and, and reminding me of some of those things that I did in, in when I was when I was getting my training in cognitive psychology. So I, I love this discussion and I really appreciate how you've combined the psychology, the neuroscience uh, and the soci- so, social aspect of it all together. I think that's such a great um, such a great opportunity to to use that all to help people and organizations you know, improve and continue to grow and develop. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. You know, your questions were phenomenal. So it really helped, I think, me be able to explain those things. And it was just such a pleasure chatting with you and and being able to have this dialogue today. Always, always happy to, to speak with you. And we're definitely going to have to come back because I know that you, there's so much more we can go through and go through some of those uh, vital steps as well in, in more detail. So uh, thanks for coming on the show. And for our listeners, I hope that you have enjoyed this and I hope that you will join us next time.